Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? Get inside the mind of Minolta. <laughs> what up, Johns? Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. That's my name. Sometimes I regret having named this show, quote unquote, show after myself. It's like, come on, dude. Are you, are you that fucking, that, are you that much of a fucking vain loser, Danny? But I heard it's good to name it. I've, I've been doing this pod for so long. I feel like the things that I think of in my head like that, I probably said those same things already on the pod previously. Because it's like, how much information can one mind have, you know? I mean, I guess there's an infinite possibility, like, growing number of things. But I feel like most human beings just... You probably got about, I don't know, 604 general ideas running around. And then they start to kind of cycle through them. It's like, Jesus, did. Anywho, what's up, you fucking Johns? I don't know if, if you've seen... I have a video web series on my website, dannypalmercomedy.com. And I have, like, five episodes done. I haven't done one in, like, three or four years. <laughs> it's been a while. But it's expensive to like, you know, I don't know, you got to like pay your actors and somebody to produce it. But then at my job, oh, I won't talk about where I work. We have a talent show. I made a video, a movie, like a jokey, like comedy sketch video movie, an Apple iMovie. And this uh, girl I work with was super helpful and she's really good at it. She's like Gen Z. She's like, oh, we make these videos all the time in college just to entertain ourselves. I'm like, you know how to make movies? That's sick. So now I'm like, well, maybe I can be more independent and autonomous with my... You know, movie, not movie, but like web series making skills. So maybe I'll get back in the fucking game, kid. It's just fun, you know, because I do stand up. You got to run around town. I do this podcast. It's like you just feel like your main two outlets of creativity are stand up and podcasting. And then it's like, well, I, I want to do some other stuff, too. So then when you get to apply your mind in a unique way, but still within the creative comedy space, it's it's kind of like liberating. You know, I feel like my stand up has gotten better because I shot this video like Honestly, you know, which is weird. How would one thing apply to the other? But if you're inspired to write something, then I think it, it can inspire you in other areas of your life as well. Okay. I can't remember if I talked about this last week. I think I talked about disco nannies when families or parents go to Ibiza, they will hire a nanny to watch their kid overnight while they fucking party their balls off and do drugs and stuff, dude. And then the next day, they'll go to lunch. You can't. You can go to lunch and just, it's you and your wife or you and your husband just like, grimly staring at each other like nursing a hangover like eating some breakfast and then like across the restaurant there's your nanny with your kid because they're still getting paid to watch your kids you you don't have to deal with these fucking little shits while you're hungover and it's like if i was one of those kids i'd just be like god damn it why is my fucking dude that's not cool why are my parents over there hey mom and dad i'm right i'm your kid why are you guys not talking to me why are you guys not talking (laughs) what's going on and there was one um, I read this article and it's like sometimes they won't give the disco nanny a proper place to sleep. Like you can't just put her in a chair in your hotel room. That's rude. You got to get them a, a room to sleep in so they, they can be human beings, you know, which I mean, come on. If you have enough money to hire to go to Ibiza and hire a disco nanny, you don't have an extra like, I don't know, 180 a night to get the fucking disco nanny a room. Like, come on, dude. Um. And apparently demand has was so is so high for these disco nannies in Ibiza that some people book up to a year in advance. One of the ladies that books them, she goes, I had one client who just booked a nanny for the baby that is still in her belly. <laughs> That's kind of sick. She's like, look, as soon as this kid gets popped, like as soon as I pop this fucking kid out, dude, I'm railing lines off a toilet. <laughs> uh, so I... I um. 
I was looking at uh, looking. That doesn't even make sense. Like, just think about what you're going to say. Don't just like start a sentence. I was looking at. That has nothing to do with what I was about to say. Whenever I dog sit for my friend Corinne, she's like the host of uh, Guys We Fucked with um, Christina Hutchinson. I her, I love her dog, and I I like take care of it like it's my own fucking child. And I I obviously am very protective of it. But I'm like, if something happens to this dog, <laughs> like Corinne and Christina have probably. I don't know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of women across the globe that listen to them. And that apparently the the dog is referred to on the podcast as Sir Alfred. And if like, what if I fucked up and God forbid something bad happened to the dog and then all of those women all over the globe would hate me? Not even just women, but my primary concern is with being hated by women. <laughs> Dude, that would suck. So I'm always really careful. It's weird to walk. I mean, her dog's small. It's probably like 20 pounds or something. It's like... Walking a dog around the streets of Manhattan on these fucking motorized bikes and cars that are running lights and motorcycles running red lights. Like, dude, let's just get this dog out of here. I don't think it's a good place for a dog. <laughs> so the uh, country singer Naomi Judd, her mother, Ashley Judd, who's also a country singer, uh, unfortunately killed herself and had mental health struggles. Her daughter Naomi wrote an op-ed in the paper, and I really liked what she had to say. Um, she wrote that, you know, people... You know, there's no need to say you know there, Danny. All people are focused on are the circumstances of my mother's suicide and not the beauty of her life, such as giving everyone at the table their own salt and pepper shakers. First of all, that's such a sweet idea. Like you come over for Thanksgiving and every single person has their own salt and pepper shakers. That's so nice. That makes you feel like special and important, right? That's so sweet. But no, they're like, oh, well, you know, she was famous. She had this really like big life. And thus, what are the, it's like that, you know, rubbernecking at a car accident like what were the circumstances of the bad thing at the very 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 end it's like all right dude let's think about the salt and pepper shakers fucking assholes it's like you know it's just it's like a broader lesson for life too it's like what are we choosing to focus on i mean you could look at anybody's life and find their lowest moments or if it ended tragically you tend to define them based on that like i was watching an interview with a mother from uvalde the school shooting She's like, I don't want people to just remember my daughter based on what happened in the last moments of her life. Like, that's not what she was. That's something that happened to her. That what doesn't define her. So, you know, it's, it's good to think about stuff like that. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch Tim Dillon's special on Netflix. Uh, dude, he's so funny. It's funny because if you're in the comedy scene for a while, you kind of meet people earlier on in their careers. And I've, I've known Tim probably for like, I don't know, like eight, nine years or something like that. He's always been funny and great, and uh, he used to write these super, super long Facebook uh, status updates, just like this stream of consciousness, but all like really, really funny and, and pretty tightly written, even though some of it was like so long. So I was trying to get a friend of mine to watch the special, which she ultimately did, and then I wanted to send her like an example of one of those Facebook posts. So I found this one. I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's so fucking funny, dude. This is the New Faces Audition Survival Guide. So... Um, if you're not familiar, Just for Laughs is the annual comedy festival. It takes place each July in Montreal, and it's like the most, the world's most prestigious comedy festival. You know, back in the day, like I think like Ray Romano, Tim Allen would get like sitcom deals out of it, and it's uh, it's like the pinnacle of festivals for stand-up comics. And I, another, well, I guess you'll, you'll actually, you know what? I was going to explain what comedians are like, <laughs> like a vast majority of them. But Tim, Tim will explain it well. So this is his uh, 
his guide to those that get auditions for new faces. Understand that getting an audition means that you're now in the top 1% of comics worldwide. Start to act like it. <laughs> Be arrogant and demanding. Stop talking to your friend who bombed at the open mic. Oh, it's your best friend? Tough shit. This is your moment. Call your parents and explain to them the history of the Just for Last Festival, like Danny just did, and the history of stand-up comedy in America and Canada, which you are now a part of. Tell your coworker you'll probably be quitting soon to pitch a show about your life. Tell them it will probably be on Netflix because you're a little too interesting for network television anyways. They won't understand any of this because they're a loser without dreams. <laughs> this guy is off the top of his head. If a comic asks you how you got an audition, use it as a way to lecture them about, quote unquote, the industry. Tell them just keep your head down and work. After you bomb the audition, try to pivot as quickly as possible. Talk about how the industry is being replaced by social media, the gatekeepers are irrelevant, and the festival in general is worthless. Tell your coworker you're thinking of staying a bit longer at your job because Netflix is in debt and getting in bed with them worries you. <laughs> it probably makes sense to start your own streaming service. They won't understand any of this because they're a loser without dreams immediately adopt the personality of a grizzled road dog who the industry has never recognized. Talk about doing comedy for real people and talk about how you're unwilling to quote unquote, play the game. It will now be time to write a status update about how a woman without hands or feet came up to you at a comedy show and told you that you made her day with your jokes and quote unquote, that's what it's really all about. Then as the likes are piling up, you refresh your email a true TV showcase. You forget all about that circus person. You cocoon yourself in your blanket and begin to look at apartments in LA. After all, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking so funny. Just the pure vanity and hubris that is just like this rippling undercurrent throughout comedy. And not all comics are like that, but that, I mean, obviously, he didn't just think out that shit off the top of his head. There is a sizable portion of people just like, I'm great. I'm great. I'm amazing. When am I going to be recognized? I'm not valued enough. It's like, dude, like you need that that arrogance a little bit to get started and to get you through the bad early days when everybody sucks. But yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, watch Tim Dillon's special. The Avenue's fucking great. I was out with my uh, my friends Dana and Kate last week. It was like Thursday night before... Labor Day weekend, and we went to this bar, the Rabbit Club on McDougal Street in New York. It's a great, it's a great bar. You got, but you have to go down these like very steep, narrow, black steps, and it's dark. It's night. It's you know, and and we were had been drinking and stuff, and so my friend Kate, she has like heels on, and she starts to make her way down the steps, and I'm like, should I put my hand out to help her? I'm like, wait a minute, she's gonna be like, Danny, I'm in my twenties, I'm an independent woman, I don't need your help, you fucking male chauvinist pig. And then I was like, no, Danny, it's perfectly appropriate and helpful to help help her down the stairs so i put my hand out and she like immediately took my hand helped her down i was like you know like sometimes you can overthink shit like that you know and also if someone gets offended that you you want to make sure that they don't tumble down an iron flight of stairs like i wouldn't be too concerned with that that negative feedback by the way if you're looking for a time to come to new york may i recommend you visit in september september is the perfect month for New York City. It's crisp. The sky is typically blue. 
bright blue skies if there are clouds or like you know those like crisp ass dope clouds not like whack winter clouds the humidity drops the temperature's great it's usually in the 70s it's the best I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that you're like oh the new york and the holidays or like the springtime or springtime in new york is that that song something about spring in new york i like new york in june part of june is in spring that fucking works dude fucking relax i sometimes debate with myself with uh my coworker friend it's like you know if you work in a corporate environment and you do comedy like me you have to be careful right like i don't want to like cross any boundaries or like be inappropriate at work but also and i don't i don't think this just applies to comics i think this applies to most people in the workforce you don't want to have this like stepford wives phony completely watered down and sanitized version of yourself at work like that's not fun either you know I'm not just going to be like, I'm nice. You're nice too. We're all nice. Have a great weekend. How are things? Good. Like, that's not fun. I don't want to live that kind of life. I'd rather go work at a company that doesn't have that approach than be at a company that demands that level of obsequence. Is that the term? I'm just, I don't know. Like, just you kind of like have to shave away the corners of your personality or the contours of your personality that make you interesting and unique just to make sure you're like, ah. We're all getting along just great. Because then that leads to like suppression, you know? Like self-repression can lead to actual suppression of your real personality and identity. And, you know, I know that there's like gradations of that, but I don't know. I just don't like this whole like corporate, I don't know, nine to five. I'm a fucking go-getter and working hard and i don't have any opinions on anything and everybody's great and i never talk shit behind people's back i'm perfect it's like no you're fucking not dude on another work note i was talking to this uh i was interviewing this woman today and she's in italy and she was telling me she's a software developer she said when she went to college in italy or what i don't know if they call it college in italy um she said that professors would ask her if her boyfriend was into software development, because how else would she have learned about software development? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's just insane to me that in 2022, that level of ignorance is just blatantly expressed by people that are in higher learning. And she's like, well, Italy is a very patriarchal culture. I mean, it's like, be that as it may, but like, I just feel like if you're a fucking professor, haven't you had a chance to think through life a little more uh, smartly than that? Like, do you just think that people are completely bound by stereotypes across the ages? And are you not thinking? How are you a professor? I don't get that. I don't like it. All right. I, I talked. Um, a few, I talked. Yeah, that's true. I talked. <laughs> I talked a few weeks ago about this flight attendant had written an article about flying advice. And I interviewed a pilot on my podcast. Oh, wait, did I already fucking read this shit? No, I don't think I did. Um, Oh, that's right. I think I alluded to it when I did the solo pod a couple weeks ago. But I thought some of this was interesting. She wrote a follow-up article. And I I, I didn't even know this about the flight attendant industry. Somebody asked her, the flight attendant industry? I guess that's true. Is it correct? Is it true that flight attendants don't get paid until the plane starts moving? She says, that is true. Each airline is slightly different. I am paid as soon as the door closes and we stop being paid when the door opens. It is also true for pilots. Dude, that sucks. Until Also, I didn't know that. When the plane door closes, when you're about to take off, like that's when people start to get paid. Didn't know that. 
That means if we show up to work on time and our flight is delayed for three hours, we are not paid for that time. If we board up, have a full plane of passengers, and then have a maintenance issue or an air traffic control hold, we are also not paid for that time. However, if we get out on the taxiway and are number 27 in line for takeoff, we do get paid for that. If a flight cancels, most airlines have cancellation pay that protects us, so we get the pay that was scheduled. Well, that's good. But some airlines don't have that protection, though. So trust me, we hate delays and cancellations as much, if not more, than our passengers. Damn, crazy, right? I'm going to skip this question about uh, where to sit or like how to handle air sickness because it's like, ew, that's a yucky topic. But apparently, the best way to avoid air sickness is to sit on the wing because it's like a fulcrum, like a seesaw thing. No idea. I like this question. They asked her, would you still encourage others to pursue this field knowing everything that you know now? She said, I absolutely would, but this career is definitely not for most people. If the thought of wake working, <laughs> waking, if the thought of working the same schedule in an office every day makes your soul want to shrivel up and die. It might be the job for you. You can have a terrible day flying. That makes you want to cry like a toddler, but the next is guaranteed to be completely different. New passengers, a new location, and most likely a whole new set of coworkers. I never thought about that either, you know? I, I mean, I guess I never really thought it through enough to have an opinion on it, but I guess I just vaguely assumed in the back of my head that the pilots and flight attendant crew just kind of travel around with each other, but it makes sense you just like keep getting moved around to different people depending on who's available. Duh, Danny. Being a flight attendant, she continues, is still a great way to see the world. But some still cities still elude me. I've wanted a long New Orleans layover my whole career, and it never shows up in my schedule. After 20 years of flying, I still have six states and countless countries left to visit. It's kind of crazy, right? 20 years of flying, those six states, not once. This job is mentally and physically exhausting in a way that I think compares with working in a hospital or a school, except you can't go home for three to five days. It takes a toll on relationships and you can't have pets. Hadn't thought that through. But you also meet amazing people and can make lifelong friends that feel more like family. It takes a certain kind of person to fall in love with this life, but when that person finds this job, it's magic. For me, the good always outweighs the bad. If that ever changes, that is the day I hang up my wings. Pretty cool, huh? I like that kind of stuff. It's nice. It's nice when people have that kind of uh, insight and wisdom about their occupation and their career, and then you're not, I'm not in that occupation or career. I want to know what it's like. And then she just tells you what it's like. They, I feel like newspaper. Why don't we have to have a series of those things where everybody like waxes philosophical about the field that they've been in for 20 years? And then you could read that in high school or college and be like, dude, that sounds lit. Or I want to avoid that like the goddamn plague. All right. Um, here's my final quote to wrap up the fun. Ooh, not the fun Friday pod anymore, Danny. The fun Wednesday pod. This is a quote from Marguerite de Valois. This is apparently someone in France. I didn't do any research on who it is. Just accept the quote and we're going to call it a day. <laughs> there is no greater fool than he who thinks himself wise. No one wiser than he who suspects he is a fool. I love that. I love that thought. Just having that self-imposed humility and true understanding of how much is in the world and that and how much we don't know. I'm watching uh, Shang Wang's stand-up special on netflix not trying to give away his material but just the subject matter he talked about it's like he goes to the library and like thinks about all those books that he'll never read his entire life and it's like oh look here's your ignorance just alphabetized like there's just so much fuck no matter what we do we'll never get through all that shit and then i was reading this other article in psychology today 
And it's, it was talking about how writers over the centuries and ages have talked about if you're one person, you can only live one life. You can't live other lives. And thus, all lives are have this melancholy tinge of the lives that weren't lived. <laughs> but that's the sad way to look at it. All right. I said I wasn't going to talk about any other articles, but that did naturally lead into this article about wondering about unled lives. So I'll read a little bit from it. Wistfulness is not a constant presence in our thoughts, fortunately, but there are times it rises up with force, most notably middle age, because it's when the idea of ever living a different life begins to seem highly unlikely. When you turn and look back down the years, novelist Hilary Manuel wrote, sorry, Mantle, Danny, Hilary Mantle, M-A-N-T-E-L, you glimpse the ghosts of other lives you might have led. All houses are haunted. Jesus, that's kind of dark. But then this other part is not so dark. Um, to be sorry that you can't travel two roads at once is to be sorry for being a person. Robert Frost wrote a poem of metaphysical resignation, talking about the, the road and the path and two woods diverged, and I took the lesser traveled, and that has made all the difference. Um, we have sorrow at our inevitable relinquishments, i.e. what we didn't do. Speculation about lives unled may be less about wrangling with our mortality than with our singularity. We can only be one person and we can only be that person once. So it's like, do you want to look at it as you can never be the hundreds and thousands and millions of other possible lives? Or do you want to embrace and celebrate the singularity of who you actually are and appreciate it and make it the best possible solo life that you can. That's what I wish for you, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Danny Palmer Show. Danny Palmer NYC. On fucking Instagram, kid. Black Hat every Friday night, 9 o'clock show. It's great. It's super fun. Oh, I was like worried about the... I feel like the pod, the listener numbers were dropping for a couple months. But now they're like back up. I think this is... I think September 2022 is going to be the... I think it's going to be the number one month the podcast has ever had. So you got to stick with it, Palmer. Got to perseverance and grit. All right, gang. All right, man. Thanks, you guys, man. I was in the line. Uh, Dan, just, it's enough. I was going to tell another story. It's it's time. 22 minutes. That's enough. People want to go live their lives, pal. They don't listen to your horseshit. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to you, John. <laughs>